Welcome to the Runner's World Show, where each week we entertain you, inspire you, and inform you about all things running. I'm David Willey, Editor-in-Chief of Runner's World. This week, we follow one runner who takes part in an innovative program to determine the cause and hopefully the treatment of his plantar fasciitis. Then in the kick, the fascinating story of how a runner prepped for his first marathon in just 10 days while in prison. Plus a precocious eighth grader who made her presence felt at one of the top high school cross country races in the country. But first, reporter Kit Fox's interview with actor Andrea Barber. Andrea played Kimmy Gibbler in the ABC sitcom Full House and she's back as Kimmy in the Netflix spinoff Fuller House. She's been running for four years, but she's already completed 33 half marathons and four marathons. Her transformation into a runner caught her by surprise, given sports weren't really her thing growing up. I was the scrawny kid. Uh, I was the scrawny next door neighbor on Full House, and I was definitely the, the scrawny, awkward child in, uh, in high school. Um, never liked exercise. I never was part of club sports. Um, in college, I tried joining the women's lacrosse team, and that lasted approximately one practice. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show this week, and stay with us. If you were a fan of Full House, you were probably pretty excited to hear about the series sequel, Fuller House, which came out last February, and about the return of characters like Kimmy Gibbler, played by our guest, Andrea Barber. In Fuller House, Kimmy Gibbler owns a party planning business and is the best friend of Dr. D.J. Tanner Fuller, played by Candace Cameron Bure. In her day-to-day life, Andrea Barber is, among other things, a runner, a dedicated, enthusiastic mid-packer. In her conversation with reporter Kit Fox, Andrea talks about how she became a runner, how running helped her cope after her divorce, and how the sport has given her so much in return. Confidence, community, and yes, new love. Oh, and a serious, perhaps borderline, problem obsession with socks. Well, I started running four and a half years ago in 2012. Uh, My first half marathon was the inaugural Tinkerbell half marathon at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. And I was hooked ever since then. I, uh, I've loved running. It's enriched my life in more ways than I can count. Um, I think it makes me a better person. It makes me a happier person. Um, and I've done 33 half marathons now and so you, four full marathons. You so didn't, you didn't just decide to, like, dabble. Like, you've done 33 <laughs> half marathons in four years. Well, that wasn't always the plan. You know, four years ago, if you had told me, I would have completed 33 half marathons by the age of 40. Um, Yeah, I I never would have believed you. I would have been like, heck no, because I was never athletic growing up. Um, I was the scrawny kid. Uh, I was the scrawny next door neighbor on Full House, and I was definitely the the scrawny, awkward child in in high school. Um, Never liked exercise. I never was part of club sports. Um, In college, I tried joining the women's lacrosse team, and that lasted approximately one practice. <laughs> Why'd you I got quit? to. I, sh- I I showed up to the practice and the coach said, "Okay, we're going to do a two mile warm up," and I said, "Oh, wait, two miles warm up? What do you mean warm up? <laughs> For me, that would be a very taxing workout." So I ran the two miles and I, I I was so exhausted by the end and I threw up and I went right over to the cou- to the coach and I said, 
I quit. I can't. <laughs> this isn't me. I, I'm not athletic. It's just, it's not in my, my DNA. It's not in my bones. Okay, so then why did you decide to sign up for the Tinkerbell Half Marathon? Well, the simple answer to that is um, I signed up for the Tinkerbell Half Marathon because I had friends who were doing it, and we thought it would be fun to wear green tutus and sparkly wings and have a great time doing it. Um, what I didn't realize is just exactly how profoundly it would change my life. Um, and it, this also happened to be at a time in my personal life when my marriage was falling apart. Um, and so I, I didn't know at the time, you know, just how bad it was going to become. But um, I really believe that running came into my life for a reason. And it was to help me through such a difficult personal time. And so through my entire divorce, I ran. And that's how I coped. You know, I took out all of my frustration and my anger and my grief. I, I pounded that out through my running shoes into the pavement. I used that solitary time to just reflect and to cry and to ask questions and to find answers out there on the road. Um, and as a result, I, 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 I sort of lost myself in running, but I also, I found myself out there too. I kind of rediscovered a large part of me that I had lost through, um, through the death of my marriage and my divorce and kind of reestablishing who I was as a woman and a mother and, and as a human being. When did you realize that running could be that, that kind of therapeutic outlet more so than just like in exercise? Um, I think when it really hit home for me was when I did my first full marathon. Um, and the day I signed my divorce papers was the same day I signed up for my first full marathon. It was the Nike Women's Marathon in San Francisco. Which came, um, and it was which just, came first, the signing uh, of the marathon and the divorce papers? No, that was that was the marathon. I signed my divorce papers in the morning, and that night I opened my email and I got an email from Nike saying the lotter the lottery is open. You know, registration and the lottery is open for for our Nike women's marathon or half marathon. And so I thought, okay, I'd love to, I would love to do this. And and it, I got to the point in the registration where it said, do you want to do the half or the full? And just it was just sort of this instinctual response to click full. Um, and I thought, why not? You know, I I I. I'm ready for a challenge. I'm ready for a change in my life. And maybe this could be the catalyst for change. And I didn't even know if I'd be selected because, you know, at the time, Nike had a very, um, a very difficult lottery system. Mm -hmm. I had friends who had been rejected for five years. They, they had never gotten into the, into the marathon. And so I thought, well, this is it. If I get into the marathon, it's, it's a sign. Uh, and a few weeks later, I got an email saying, you have been selected to participate in the Nike Women's Full Marathon. Uh, I thought, all right, this is it. And so I used that time that those, you know, 20 weeks to train and uh, I trained alone. You know, I didn't train with a group or, or a running club or anything like that. Um, I just did all of those 18 milers and 20 milers by myself. And it was incredibly therapeutic for me. Um, and I went up to San Francisco with friends. Um, I had a lot of friends running the half marathon, um, but I was only one of the only ones doing the full. Mm hmm so they were all kind of waiting for me at the finish line. And I crossed that finish line after 26.2 miles, and I just sobbed. You know, I saw a friend <laughs> at the finish line, and I went over for a hug, and it was just like these guttural sobs that I couldn't stop. <laughs> it was I, – I felt uncomfortable at one point. I thought, I hope I'm not, like, making other people around me uncomfortable. What were you thinking in that moment? Um, I was just – I was exhausted, for one. <laughs> I was really <laughs> tired, and I, yeah. I couldn't really speak because I was, I was so tired. Um, but I just started 
crying not not for everything that I had lost, but because I realized in that moment everything that I had gained mm-hmm. um, in my life and and through running and the confidence I had gained and the self reflection and the friends, the running friends I had met. I, I it's just this sport has brought so many positives into my life. Um, and I, you know, I'm never going to be a competitive runner. I'm never going to be a fast runner. You know, I'm, I'm not out there to break records. Um, I, I really do it for the emotional and the the mental benefits. You know, I, I I don't run to get necessarily fit or skinny or fast. I just I do it because it makes me healthier mentally and emotionally. Well, and I want to talk about this a little bit more because I think one thing that's so great is that you. It seems like you've made so many friends through running. Why do you think? that became a part of your life and what has like the running community meant in your life? Oh, I love the running community. Um, some of my best friends are runners. Some of my friends who weren't runners before are runners now. Uh, and I met my boyfriend through running too. Um, my current boyfriend, he's, he's a great person. He's, his name's Michael. And, um, we, we have this great hobby, this, this sport that we do together. Um, and the running community is fantastic. I think runners in general are just happier people, and maybe that's the endorphins. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're just really um, – running is so personal to each person, and it, I think I'm not alone in saying that it's enriched my life so much, and other runners feel the same way. So we're genuinely happier for, for each other when we you know get PRs or we complete goals or we – you know, run further than we'd ever run before. You know, we're genuinely happier for each other. Um, and that's really unique in a sport. You know, it, most sports are so competitive um, and you just want to beat the other person. But this is a sport where we genuinely celebrate each other's accomplishments. Um, and that 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 just makes you feel good inside. That makes you feel good all around. Yeah. And so, so like what groups or clubs have you joined? Like how how are you a member of the running community, I should say? Well, mostly through social media, yeah. um, and there is one one running group that is close to my heart called We Run Social, and uh, it's not based on location. It, it's runners all over the world um, that just share a love of running and a love of sharing that running through social media, and that's how we kind of all keep in contact even though we're all over the country. Uh, we're all running different races at the same time, but we can keep in touch by you know, sharing pictures on Instagram and commenting and cheering each other on through social media. Now we have meetups. That's that's kind of the thing. Before any sort of big race, there will be a rerun social meetup and where we can get together and carbo load with a, with a pint of beer and uh, talk about goals and talk about family and new babies and new friends and um, just celebrate each other's lives. So back when you were first starting to run, maybe like training for the Tinkerbell Half Marathon, do you remember, is there like a story of when you realize like, this is my sport, this is going to be my thing? Gosh, um, it might have been that very first half marathon, the Tinkerbell. I remember thinking, this is going to be a fun run. I'll probably walk half of it. Um, but I mean, I'm wearing a tutu. So really, it's all about the photo ops. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's really how I approached the whole thing. Uh, you know, I never meant to, to take it that seriously as a sport. Um and then there was somewhere around mile eight or nine, um, I stopped at one of the aid stations for water and for a goo. Um, and I stopped and I checked my phone and I, I, my phone had just blown up with messages of people and well-wishers well saying, good luck, you can do it, we're behind you. 
And I just felt this surge of energy. And I don't know if it was the goo or if it was all of these (laughs) well-wishers saying, we believe in you, when I didn't even believe in myself to be able to run 13 miles. And everybody else out there was saying, hey, we know you can do it. Go do it. Um, So I just took off. You know, after mile eight, I was just like, you know, I was running faster than I'd ever run. I was running more consistently. and, And I ran the rest of the way. Um, I crossed that finish line. And I was like, wow, like I actually, I actually did this. Like I ran most of these 13 miles. It was such an empowering feeling. Uh, and I went home and I signed up for my next race. I actually signed up for three races. So not only had I just completed my first half marathon, I, I signed up for three more <laughs> within the same 12 hours after completing it. So I would say I was hooked after the very first one. <laughs> was that was that the plan all along after running the race? Yeah, going into that race, that was not the plan. I, I fully expected to just do it for the photos and then to kind of quit <laughs> like I had done so many years prior with the women's lacrosse team in college. I just figured I'd be one and done. Um, but that runner's high lasted for days afterwards actually I would argue that that runner's high is still going like four and a half years (laughs) later it's addicting and it's so it's such a wonderful feeling to know you can do something you never ever in 30 plus years thought you could ever do Mm -hmm. that's a pretty powerful feeling you hit another big milestone this year by turning 40 and you had to have done what I think is the coolest birthday party ever can you can you tell us what you did for your 40th Oh, yes. I love talking about my 40th birthday. Um, Well, I knew I wanted to do something special and I knew I wanted it to involve running because obviously it's a big part of my life. Um, And I I basically I said, uh, I want to run with friends, but I know I have a lot of runner friends all over the country and it would be logistically difficult to run with all of the runner friends that I love. So instead, um, I decided to host a virtual race called the Andrea Barber 4.0 Mile birthday run Mm -hmm. and it was open to we it was open to 500 uh, participants um and we we made it into a fundraiser so we had 500 slots um and you could purchase one of those slots and it it got you um a t-shirt and a medal and an autographed picture of me an old (laughs) autographed headshot of me and my big 90s hair yeah um and then i donated um all of the proceeds to girls on the run international Okay. Um, as a way of, of fundraising for for a charity that is uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, and it was a great way to do something good and to give back. And I got to run with 500 of my closest running friends all across the United States and Canada. It was pretty darn cool um, to see everybody pulled on their, their rainbow-colored Gibbler socks and, uh, and their T-shirts, and, and they ran their four miles um, on July 3rd, which was my 40th birthday. Uh, and it was fantastic. You know, I had I, I had my own little personal private. Yeah, I was gonna ask where did you day. where did you finish your four miles? Yeah, I did my four miles um, in Santa Monica at the Santa Monica Pier, and I just invited some of my close friends. I invited all of my castmates too. So I had you know most of the Fuller House cast out there <laughs> running. Most of whom are not runners. By I was the way. I was gonna say was it, were any of them that was that the farthest they had ever run? For for most of them, yeah, that was the furthest they'd run in any any one solid stretch. And Jody Sweeten in particular, she she was saying, "I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. You know, I don't know <laughs> if I can do this." I said, "I I'm I'm not going to leave you. I'll stick with you the the entire way." And I did, and she did great. Like she did way better than she expected to. Um, you know, who who knows what may come of that? You know, I might inspire her to be a runner yet, but 
it was great. Afterwards, everybody just had, you know, those endorphins are pumping and everybody thought this was really fun. You know, we were kind of dreading getting up at 7 a.m. on a Sunday to go run four miles. That's not exactly everybody's idea of a good time. But by the end, everybody was totally into it. And it was that nice feel good moment. And we all got coffee afterwards. And it was just a fantastic way to start off my 40th year, I'll tell you. And Candace Cameron Bure is, has still, you know, she has promised me she's going to run a half marathon with me sometime. She wants to run Tinkerbell. She's just a very busy woman. You know, yeah. she works on, on the East Coast and on the West Coast. So, um, you know, she's just, it's just a matter of finding the time to train. But she will run a half marathon with me someday. You just, just you watch. I have it in writing. You know, she's told several media outlets now that she's going to do it. So, you know, she has to fulfill her promise. <laughs> okay. So, obviously, we have to talk about your socks one of the things that uh we always see on on instagram or twitter is you tweeting out photos of your socks we know that you have an amazing sock collection so let's start with how many pairs of sock running socks do you have now and has it grown since oh kit my sock collection is constantly growing <laughs> i have to find a new drawer because it has now it's spilling out of my sock drawer so i need to find um a bigger space for my sock collection I don't even know I don't can't remember the number I told you back in February um I probably said 25 pairs of sock compression socks that has easily grown to um well over 40 pairs of <laughs> pro compression socks <laughs> why why the obsession with socks <laughs> It's such a fun collection. You know, I mean, yes, there is actually a reason to be wearing compression socks. It's not just fashion. You know, there it makes my legs feel better. It, you know, they're not as fatigued. They're not as sore the next day. But for for wearing fun socks, you know, it's it's a reason to get out the door. It's a reason to take a picture. It's it's a reason to to wear matching socks with all of your friends. You know, that's that's a big topic of discussion amongst my runner friends is what soccer are we going to wear at any particular race? You have a have a unofficially proclaimed pair of socks named after your character of course, the Gibblers. Um so describe what the Gibblers are and how they got that nickname. <laughs> well, the Gibblers are a pair of pro compression socks that are rainbow. It's a multicolored rainbow striped sock. And it's a fantastic sock, not just because it's unofficially named after my character, but also because it matches everything. I mean, it's the rainbow. So it doesn't matter what color shorts or shirt or tank top you're wearing. It it will match for sure. Uh, and it's just a fun sock. Like people see you running in rainbow socks, they're going to give you a thumbs up or a high five or say, hey, nice socks. Uh, and that's a, just an instant mood booster. Uh, so that's personally why I love the Gibbler sock. Uh, back when it was being created uh, a little over a year ago, um, the, the CEO of pro compression, Eric came to me and he said, Hey, we want to, we want to name a sock after your character. And I said, well, I don't know if you can actually name it Kimmy Gibbler or the Gibbler because you know, you've got some, some trademark issues with Warner yeah. Brothers, but if you want to unofficially, unofficially name it after me, heck yeah. You know, I would love that. I would be honored actually to have a sock named after me. Uh, so he said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll stick to the, the title of multicolor stripe sock. That's the official name. But the running community started, they created a hashtag called the Gibblers. And so anytime a runner is wearing these socks, they include that hashtag in their post, the Gibblers. So if you go on Instagram and click on that hashtag, the Gibblers, you will see hundreds and hundreds of posts of people wearing <laughs> the Gibbler socks. And how do they, you know, exude the essence of Kimmy Gibbler? Um, the Gibbler sock exudes the spirit of Kimmy Gibbler because it's bright. 
it's colorful. It's not for shy people. It's not for introverted people. It's for people who like to express their inner fun spirit through their sock. And that's what Kimmy Gibbler does. You know, she loves expressing herself through fun wardrobe that's brightly colored and might not always match, but hey, we're going to wear it anyways. Uh, that's what these socks say. <laughs> they say, you know, we like to have fun and Kimmy Gibbler likes mm-hmm. to have fun. Is Kimmy Gibbler a runner or is she going to run it all in season two? Oh, great question, Kit. Um, as of now, I think I'm okay saying this. This isn't a huge spoiler, but um, no. The answer, the shorter answer is no. Kimmy Gibbler, as of this point, is not a runner. We haven't had any running-based episodes or really any fitness-based episodes. But um, I will tell you that um, every season, you know, I go have several meetings with the writers and we, we – we shoot around some ideas and they ask me a lot of questions so that they can get episode ideas. And one question that keeps coming up is, are you still running? And do you still enjoy running? They've asked me that several times. And I always say, yes, of course. I would love to incorporate that into a future episode. And Candace Cameron Burry is always trying to lobby to do some sort of um, obstacle run or like a mud run. She She's lobbying hard to do some sort of episode that involves, you know, the three of us doing some sort of fun fitness, you know, boot camp style um, muddy mud run. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that would be hysterical. There'd yeah. be a whole lot of physical comedy in, in that type yeah. of episode. So as of right now, no, Kimmy Gibbler's not a runner, but stay tuned because it's always a possibility. Well, staying along with that theme, has your running and acting like ever intersected kind of in unexpected ways? Um, what I did start doing this past season um, is running on the treadmill at the Warner Brothers gym. You know, early in the morning, I'll get there at 6 a.m. and I'll try to, you know, pump out three or four miles on the treadmill. But um, <laughs> there were a, a couple of weeks where I had a lot of dialogue and a lot of lines. So I would just bring my script onto the treadmill with me and, you know, crazy looks be damned. I, <laughs> I, I don't care if, if I look like a complete fool. I would just sit there and practice my lines while I was running on the treadmill. And it actually worked. Like those lines really stuck. And I feel like there's something about movement that makes it easier to memorize lines i i don't know call me crazy but so were you were you actually saying them like out loud in yeah i was i mean in my head and out loud yeah i would you know first i try to kind of memorize them in my head and then i would say them out loud you know i don't know if people can hear me because the gyms are kind of loud with the treadmills yeah there's, there's tvs on and there's lots of equipment um but yeah i was just practicing my lines there on the treadmill yeah full Kimmy Gibbler mode if it had been any other gym out in the real world I'm sure people would have been like what is she doing and why is she talking to herself Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that's probably the only way acting has ever intersected with my running but you know I I think it actually helped has becoming a runner and kind of the physical benefits of it helped your acting at all well it's made me more confident Mm -hmm. um running has definitely made me more confident all around so in that sense yes it has helped my career um because you can't play Kimmy Gibbler and not be confident I mean you you have to go all in like (laughs) she does so many crazy things (laughs) and she's a very confident character so um yeah in that sense it's made me it's made me running has made me a happier person it's made me more confident um and as a result I think a better actor as well um now I'm wondering since I mean because you've become so entrenched in the running community are there like any runners that you've met that have particularly kind of inspired you? You know, 
someone, a runner who I've never met, but I've always wanted to meet, and I'm still holding out hope that I'll meet her someday, is Kara Goucher. And we've talked a little bit on the Twitter and on on Instagram, yeah. and she's a huge Full House fan, and I am a huge <laughs> Kara Goucher fan. So this meeting has to happen. It needs to happen someday. It like. And I was hoping it was going to happen um, at the at the trials, you know, right before the LA Marathon. I I watched her, I watched her struggle through the trials and finishing fourth, um, and that was just heartbreaking. I was actually there at the finish line of yeah. the trials, and I watched her come around that final bend and. She was just practically crying, yeah. um, you know, just, uh, you know, 100 meters from the finish line. And it was heartbreaking for me. I know it was heartbreaking for her. Um, but gosh darn it, if I haven't learned so much about perseverance from her and being so good at what you do at any age, you know, you don't have to be, you know, fresh out of college and young and, you, you know, you can you can be great at what you do and you can inspire other people at any age and yeah i really want to take her to coffee someday or maybe go for a run i'm sure she it would just be like a fast walk for her <laughs> if we ever went for a run um, but um gosh i just love her um and and kind of just to, to wrap up here i did want to ask um you mentioned that uh for your 40th birthday run for charity you donated all the proceeds to girls on the run why is that charity so important to you and and why did you decide to donate to them yeah, I wanted to donate um, the the proceeds to Girls on the Run because it inspires kids to to be active and to get fit, um, and that's I think that's so important for kids who are used to sitting on the couch and watching a lot of TV or or being on their iPads or their iPhones all day. Um, I think it's important to get outside, to get vitamin D, and to just move. You know, you don't have to be fast. Uh, you just have to have movement and activity in your life. And that's what Girls on the Run does. They, they have coaches who develop 5K training programs for girls, um, you know, at, at ages like 8 to 12. And so I thought, that's great. I have a nine-year-old girl at home, and I'm always trying to inspire her to, to go for a run with me or to be fit or to get outside and get active. That was reporter Kit Fox speaking with actor Andrea Barber. The second season of Fuller House comes out on Netflix tomorrow, December 9th. All runners agree that few things are worse than getting injured and therefore not being able to run, except perhaps when we can't pinpoint the cause of the pain and therefore can't figure out how to treat it so that we can run again. This past spring, Runner's World contributing editor Cindy Kuzma went on a mission of sorts to report on one runner's battle with plantar fasciitis, surely two of the worst words in the English language for any runner to hear. Plantar fasciitis is among the most common running injuries and is among the most commonly searched terms on runnersworld.com. And anyone who's ever had plantar fasciitis knows how hard it is to get rid of it. The good news is that you can get rid of it, and better yet, you can prevent it ever occurring in the first place. And Cindy learned something surprising. Our iPhones just might hold the solution to overcoming our foot pain and improving our performance. Why don't you go ahead and get warmed up? Yeah, so on right there. Okay, so we're warming up here. 
That's George Maroy Tegel. He's 47 years old and a competitive runner and triathlete. He's running on a treadmill at the Columbia Run Lab in New York City, a world-class center designed to analyze your stride, strength, and flexibility. The lab's purpose is to improve runner performance and health. Any runner can apply to come here for testing, and it's particularly popular among runners in pain. Right now, George is in a lot of pain. Well, I have a recurring uh, Achilles problem that I think originally started with a, a plantar fasciitis that I had two, three years ago. I'm worried it never really went away, and I now have a recurring problem with my heel. Plantar fasciitis is when the plantar fascia, a tight band of tissue that runs from the heel bone to the toes, gets inflamed or irritated. If you build up your mileage too quickly, or if you have super tight calf muscles that repeatedly tug on that band, tiny tears can form in the tissue. When plantar fasciitis flares up, just walking is agonizing, like stepping on a nail, and it's super common in runners. George has tried everything, changing his shoes, seeing a massage therapist, taking breaks from running, all with no luck which is why he's on a treadmill surrounded by high-tech cameras and why he's got sensors all over his body. He's hoping he'll learn what's causing his heel pain and, more importantly, what he can do to fix it. The treadmill is actually the first of four stations George will go through tonight, the motion analysis station. Colleen Bruff is the director of the Columbia Run Lab. She's also an assistant professor in Columbia's program of physical therapy. She explains what the sensors and cameras on George are doing. We are collecting a, a live capture video while this runner is on the treadmill. And we're collecting running metrics during his run. So we're, we're collecting data that looks at what's the step rate, what's the step length, what's the flight time. After that, George heads to station two, foot and ankle mechanics. He lies on his back on a table. Physical therapy doctoral student Julie Janish rotates his left ankle in circles. She's testing his range of motion. His left foot is his bad foot, but George actually looks pretty comfortable. So how does this feel, George? Right now, it actually feels nice. It's like a, like a massage, a foot massage. Again, Colleen. Common issues like excessive towing out, um, excessive pronation, um, they can be driven by specific joint restriction. So right now, Julie's assessing the talonavicular joint. The talonavicular joint is one of the joints in the ankle. It gives the foot flexibility to do things like walk or run. She's accessing the mobility of that joint specifically. Um, and we know that restriction in that joint is very consistent with specific injuries in the foot and, and ankle. After rotating his ankles, they have George stand up. And you're just going to lift your arch up like this, and I'm going to guide your foot, okay? The information we get from a standing position is much more important. So it's a, it's a critical piece. We want to see what's ideal for him, and then what does he land at? What does, where does his body go when you put weight on it? From a standing position, George does a shallow squat. As he squats, his foot and ankle collapse inward. That collapse is called pronation. Pronation is normal. Everybody does it. But George, he overpronates. His foot really collapses inward. The experts here can clearly see it. So what does being an overpronator mean for George? In short, it means the bones in his foot aren't in alignment. With every step George takes, his foot rolls pretty far inward. And that roll might just be yanking on his plantar fascia and causing his pain. George's next stop is a strength and flexibility station. George does a bunch of moves, leg raises, step downs, hip extensions. 
Some moves he cruises through, but with others, he really struggles. Right, so now George is laying on the table and he's got one knee in his hand and we're extending the other leg. This is called the Thomas test. This is a test of flexibility. So here we're able to identify the hip flexor muscles. Is there rectus femoris tightness? Is there psoas muscle tightness? The rectus femoris and the psoas are hip flexors. Not surprisingly, they help us bend at the hip. If these muscles are consistently too tight when you run, you're in trouble. How so? Well, here's what happens. Your hips tilt forward, your back arches. The effort shifts away from your big, strong glutes. Your hamstrings, quads, and calves end up working overtime. All that extra work can lead to injuries, injuries that can plague you from the feet on up. As George holds his right knee tight to his chest, he's struggling to lower his left leg. And we're looking to see, can the leg go all the way down to the, to the mat? Can it be flat? And pretty clearly, it, it can't. There was pretty significant tightness. Finally, George reaches the last station, the functional movement screen, or FMS for short. Here, the crew tests him for tightness, weakness, or imbalances in his muscles. They're also checking when he feels pain and where he feels it. After going through a series of movements, he will receive a score. The best possible score is a 21. Scoring a 14 or lower is considered being at high risk for injury. Given that he's already injured, George is not optimistic about his results. So, George, Colleen was just telling me that some other members of your triathlon club have, have been done this assessment. Do you know what their FMS scores were? I have no idea, but now it's going to be like a bone of contention among us, I guess. <laughs> so what's, what's your prediction? What do you think your score is going to be? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> really? All right, maybe on a curve, 11. Okay, all right, we'll see, we'll see. All right. I have no idea. No idea. George does a series of awkward-looking moves. A deep squat holding a dowel rod over his head. A lunge along a straight, narrow board. A push-up starting from flat on the ground. He gets a score between zero and three for each move. He's struggling on the push-up. It looks really hard. So this is the trunk stability push-up. We're looking to see that he moves as a unit. Now, he just complained of low back pain. We immediately stopped the test, and he gets a zero for that. George, I, I heard the pain meant you got a zero on that test. How did that make you feel? It made me feel like a zero. Oh, no. Oh, no. George, this is a judgment-free zone. George scores a 15. Not great, but higher than he figured. Finally... After more than an hour of testing, George, along with several other runners who just went through the same stations, sit with the experts to go over their results. Maria, could you hit the lights for me? George is up first. We all start watching video of him running. Let's take a look. Let's start with the foot and ankle view. So there, we're watching George run on a treadmill on a giant screen now, and we can see these lines, <laughs> straight lines running down the screen to help, uh, help us judge his alignment. George, what does it feel like to see yourself uh, from this angle? Weird. It's unusual because you never see yourself from behind running. And um, you you always, at least in my mind, I always thought I looked a lot better running than I actually do. <laughs> to be honest, that's a little embarrassing. I'm not going to lie to you. But it's very interesting to see this because I see things that I, like, I would never have thought this was me running. If you would have said, who is this person running just from behind, I would never in a million years say that's me. George might not like the way he looks, but as Colleen reminds us, your running form might not matter unless it's causing you pain. 
I think back to like an Olympic runner that I had worked with. He qualified for the Olympics four years, four times in a row. That's 16 years of Olympic level running. Tremendous athlete. He had the worst pronation I have ever seen in my entire life. His ankles or the medium alveoli, the bones of the ankles practically hit the ground as he was running on the treadmill and he never had a foot or ankle problem. So I you know, we're cautious about what recommendations we make, um, and we really try to tailor it to each runner specifically. As we know, George is in pain. And now the experts tell him why they think that is. His hip muscles are weak and tight. They don't fire at the right time, especially on the left side. The result? His alignment from his hips on down is out of whack. And his overworked calf muscles pull on his plantar fascia with every single step. There's more. On the video, George and the group watch what happens when his foot hits the ground. His knee is straight, his foot is far in front of his body, and his toes are pointing high up, which is bad news and good news. More important than if you are a heel striker, a midfoot striker, or a forefoot striker, more important based on the data that we find is what's the angle at which that foot lands. So the higher that contact angle, as you can see there, the toes are really pointing up to that ceiling as compared to the plane of the treadmill. That's going to increase the forces and the impact that the foot, knee, and lower extremity experience versus if we could lower that contact angle, even if you remained a branded heel striker, you would be able to significantly lower the amount of impact force that you experience. And here's what's really exciting. This is the big reveal, is that there is a huge amount of data that's really nicely done that we see a correlation between this type of landing pattern and plantar fasciitis and heel pain. Now that the team has an idea of what's causing his pain, they can offer him solutions. First, they assign George stretches for his hip flexors and calves, and he needs to do them gently after every run. Those moves include stretching his calf against a wall and a kneeling move, similar to a lunge, to lengthen his hip flexors. He needs to hold each position for 30 seconds and do three reps per leg. All this stretching will help straighten out his alignment, and it will keep his calf muscles from yanking on his plantar fascia. But that's not all. They also want George to shorten his stride. George, do you run with your iPhone and listen to music or anything? Uh, no, generally not. Okay. Virginia Sabins who's also a doctoral student in physical therapy at Columbia, explains the step rate drill. So I'm going to suggest that maybe you try it okay. um, and download a metronome app. And what we found from the literature is that if you increase your steps per minute or cadence by just 5 to 10 percent, um, that you're going to bring that foot closer underneath your body, closer to your center of mass, decrease your contact angle, and you're going to have a little bit more knee flexion. Also, I have done this personally, and I found a pretty good um, pace pace increase. So I got a little bit faster by doing this. So if, you know, performance was something that you were hoping to get out of it, um, I am a total um, advocate for this drill. Um, so here are your running metrics. Excellent. Thank you very much. This is great, guys. Thanks so much for Thank all you your help. So much Absolutely. You. Absolutely. So say we have runners in the audience who are having plantar fasciitis or foot pain and they don't have access to something like Columbia Run Lab. Is there anything they can do to test some of these factors for themselves? 
Definitely. Have a friend videotape you with your iPhone. Look from the side. You're looking for three things. Number one, how much foot bend do you have when your foot hits the ground? You want it to be relatively flat. You don't want a lot of bend. Number two, where does the foot hit the ground? You want it to be relatively under your body, not far out in front of you. And then number three, how much knee bend is there when your foot hits the ground? I don't want a straight knee. I want a little bit of bend. Colleen has been treating runners for 12 years. She firmly believes everyone is fixable. My favorite runners are the ones who've come to me and said, I've seen five physical therapists. I've done these exercises. I'm not better. How is it that what you're going to give me is different? Um, Those are my favorite people to work with. I have to say that this experience, this my interest in runners, stemmed from my own failure. Um, You know, years ago, 10 years ago, I, I got an influx of runners around marathon time, and they had seen a number of physical therapists before, and they weren't better. And they saw me, and they didn't get better. And I thought that was unacceptable. So I turned to the research, and I I started to build the argument of how is it that we can better treat these runners? And it wasn't until some research came out that paired fixing these impairment issues, meaning strength, flexibility, joint motion, normalizing that, and then pairing it with real-time running cues, meaning cues to teach them how to change their run. That's when my runners got better. For videos and links on how to strengthen and stretch your calves and hip flexors, as well as tips on using the step rate drill and other real-time running cues, go to runnersworld.com audio. Oh, and we check back in with George. He's been diligently stretching and working on shortening his stride. It took a while, but he no longer has pain when he runs. And earlier this fall, he placed in the top 10% of his age group in the New York City Triathlon. And now it's time for The Kick with producer Brian Dalek and digital editor Chris Michael. Okay, so there's a little bit of a theme this week in The Kick in that we're really looking at really interesting or um, different types of races or people doing races of different lengths and everything like that. And the first one was a story that did really well on runnersworld.com last week. Chris Michael, you helped get this story up. Um, it was about a runner in prison, but the story is just completely different. Yeah. So uh, this is a story, actually, a first-person account from a prisoner. So this guy, Keith Giroux, he's at the Franklin County Jail in Plymouth, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, bored with cards and TV, decides to pick up running. There's a treadmill in the prison. Um, and there was like one treadmill, right? There's one treadmill. It's sort of shoved into the corner mm-hmm. of the lunchroom. And, uh, you know... He starts running a little bit, uh, five miles, six miles. He runs 13 miles, and that gives him the inspiration to try and run the Boston Marathon. Yeah, as every runner gets and you hear about the Boston, you kind of want to do it. Especially so he, if you're he, from he w- Massachusetts, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, continue on. So, uh, you know, he doesn't know when the Boston Marathon is. He doesn't have access to uh, internet, and he's not a runner. Mm-hmm. So he starts making inquiries and finds out it's in 10 days' time. Yeah, so when he decides he wants to do this, it's 10 days away. Right, and he's going to Not dub- a typical training plan. No, not in any way. Um and the story is just one of real human achievement. I mean, in 10 days, uh, overcoming a lot of odds because it's it's also not like he can just hop on whenever he wants. He has to 
you know, ask for permission, make arrangements, schedule the amount of time. He doesn't have the right gear. He doesn't have running shoes. The only shoes he's been running in has been two sizes too small, and he's not allowed to have shoes with laces. It's mm-hmm. an amazing story. Um, so how did he do? So he ends up running the whole thing in four hours and 13 minutes, which is just a little bit longer than his goal of, of a sub-four marathon. Okay. Um, what I think is most amazing about this is that at the end, um, he talks about how this is really the first time he's ever really achieved anything, and uh, he makes a goal to keep running. After his five-year sentence was completed, he was released earlier this year in October, and then he ran the Mile Standish Marathon in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and he shaved 45 minutes off of his time. He ran a three-hour and 24-minute marathon. Big difference there, just to get off the treadmill, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's turning into a pretty serious runner. Well, that's great. So you should definitely read that story. Go to runnersworld.com slash audio. You'll find a link to that piece by Keith um, on our show page. Um, and just staying on the treadmill theme, another kind of weird achievement that's super impressive on the mill. Uh, last week, a guy named Jacob Pusey, he broke the 50-mile record on a treadmill. 50 miles? 50 miles. So how fast did he do this? He set this at the running event. It's a trade expo that was held in Orlando this year. Um, so he's doing. He's a runner for Ultra Footwear, so he's doing it at their booth. Okay. He did it in four hours, 57 minutes, and 45 seconds. That's almost an hour off of the previous record. Jeez. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so Jacob, he's a legit runner anyway. He has a PR of 225. His his marathon split on the treadmill was still 238. Like, I, I just can't fathom one going at that clip on a treadmill because I don't like going fast on a treadmill for that long. Anyway, it just feels so hard. Yeah. I we You feel like you're going to fly off into the wall behind you. Right. And then to be on there for nearly five hours. Like, there has to be a good HGTV marathon on for me to, like, even attempt to think about doing five hours on a treadmill. I think even with an HGTV (laughs) marathon, I couldn't spend more than an hour without getting extremely bored. So congrats to Jacob on that impressive achievement. Now, moving on to the high school level, the Nike Cross Nationals was this past Saturday in Portland, Oregon, Really one of the more impressive stories coming out of that was from an eighth grader who competed with all the top high school runners in the country. So you're talking about 13-year-old Grace Ping. Tell me about her. Right. Yeah. She ran a 1748.3. She finished sixth overall. And she set some records last year as a 12-year-old at the 5,000-meter level and a two-mile level. So she's legit and people knew about her. But the impressive thing was she didn't even know if she was going to be able to race this year because she moved from Minnesota to Utah and they have different rules there. But she was able to do this race and then she lines up with these top runners in the country and and did a, a great job. So a really Grace Ping, a name to keep in mind you know, down the line when she actually gets into high school. Oh, yeah. We're going to be expecting great things out of her. And a name that um, on the racing scene that we've known for years, Ryan Hall, he retired back in January, but he's been busy. We've talked about him a lot on The Kick and on our website. He did probably one of his bigger races of the year since retirement. Yeah. Ryan Hall's been running actually a lot since he has retired. Um, So... 
Just uh, last weekend, he was in Honolulu for the Xterra Trail Run World Championships, mm-hmm. and uh, he finished a half marathon there uh, on the trails in one forty three thirty nine, which uh, you know seems maybe a little slow given that he has a two o four marathon PR, mm-hmm. um, but it was still good enough to get him 18th place overall. Yeah, so still 18th place. He really doesn't run that much. He's actually weightlifting. We've done this on our website. He's bulked up to like 170 pounds, doing a lot more strength training, and he looks like a different person. And really his perspective on running has changed, and that's pretty impressive as well. And it kind of shows with this rate. Oh, yeah. It's more like a fun run for him. Mm-hmm. Instead of like training and training uh, to to try and make it number one. He just uh, went out there and had a good time. Yeah, he can take his whole family there to Honolulu, enjoy the week instead of worrying about how he's going to perform one race day. And still come in on the top 20. So And still come in in the top 20. So congrats to him on that trail race. And then the final thing, the final really interesting race we want to talk about for this week's kick is 96-year-old Bob McAdam. He's set a record at his 5K turkey trot a couple weeks ago on Thanksgiving. So tell me about this guy. Yeah, so Bob, he's a World War II vet. Um, as I said, 96. Mm-hmm. He's still out there running, had a free entry into this race, has some visual problems, so he was worried about running outside. He usually runs on the treadmill, but he had help from his guide, his trainer at his retirement home in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So he did this race, and he did it in that record time of 48 minutes and 19 seconds. That's almost two minutes faster than the previous age group record of a 95 to 99-year-old. That is seriously impressive for someone at that age. So he has to be happy. Yeah, I mean, he's a lifetime athlete, so he's always trying to stay active even at that age. Um, The other interesting fact, he's actually a Hall of Famer in the Masters Racquetball Hall of Fame, so he's very diverse in what he does. But despite the record, he he does want to get better. He wants to go back next year, do the race again, and try to take three minutes off. Get that get that record time to around forty five minutes for that five k. You know, it's always good to have goals. Always good to have goals, and he's a perfect example of just a lifetime athlete. Always wanting to get better every day. It doesn't have to stop, no matter really what athletic goal you're going after. So congratulations to Bob. Congratulations. You know, all four of these people are really inspiring from the eighth grader Mm -hmm. to the 96-year-old. Yeah. Just everyone keep running. Chris, thanks for coming down and doing the kick with us this week. Thanks so much. It's good to be here. That's it for this week's show. But before we go, we want to know your running date stories, as in your best and perhaps more importantly, your worst on-the-run dating experiences. Sum it up in a brief note and email it to us at rwaudio at rodale, that's R-O-D-A-L-E dot com. You could also send us a message on our Facebook page, Runner's World Audio, or tweet us, the super short version, at rwaudio. We're working on an episode about dating on the run, and we just might use your story. Okay, that's it. Thank you for all the ratings and reviews you guys have been sending in. We really appreciate them. I'm David Willey, Editor-in-Chief of Runner's World. This week's show was produced by Sylvia Ryerson, Christine Fennessy, and Brian Dalek. We've got an exciting and very exclusive show for you next week, and I don't want to be overly mysterious, but I'm just going to leave it at that for now. 
Trust me, you won't want to miss this. It's actually the beginning of a story that we will be telling over the coming weeks and months on the show. Thanks for listening, and we will see you then.